Hello, everyone, and welcome to the W Wrestling Podcast, where we rewatch AEW from the start. You join us a couple of months into AEW's TV run, the week after Full Gear 2019. I am the retired UK Brit wrestler, formerly known as Triggerman, now known as Sid. With me, as always, is superstar Pete Andrews. Hello to you. Sometimes known as Latino Pete. Yes, in my more Mexican days. <laughs> we all have them. <laughs> you join us today as we watch the big one, Dynamite, week seven. It's not really the big one. I probably need to change that text from last week. But we'll keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But before we get into all that, Pete. Hello. In your opinion, who is the worst non-wrestler to ever have a full match? Wow, there's been many, hasn't there? There's a lot to choose. Because like celebrity matches in recent years have got a little bit better, haven't they? Because we've seen like the likes of Logan Paul, who just seems to be a natural. Yeah, people actually seem to train for them now. It's weird. Yeah, exactly. And it, I think it's they get people involved who actually are interested in it as well. Whereas back in the day, they'd just get bods in, wouldn't they, to do things. Oh, God, I don't... I'm trying... I think I've blacked out most of them. Because WWE had that whole um, guest host era, didn't they, where they had famous people hosting Raw every week. And occasionally you got a few of them getting physical. Like Seth Green got was in a match. I don't remember if that was good or not. Did he team up with Rob Van Dam? He probably should have. Yeah, I would have made sense. What he did. I know he, I know he wrestled. I guess not sort of like Randy Orton or someone that you really wouldn't expect him to be in there with. I'm going to go Seth Green just because I don't remember his match, but I know he had one. Yeah, that's a good reason to pick someone. I'm going to probably go with Robocop. Mm? Because yeah. he couldn't bump. Yeah, he couldn't do a lot, could he really? No, like, you talk about your limitations, like, there's certain actors who you, you can't just punch them in the face, there's a lot of people who just can't bump or take a guitar shot, Ben Stiller mm. was a particularly good, bad example, yep. but if yep. you can't bend at the knees or get back up if you've fallen over, <laughs> yeah, yeah. got to be Robocop. That's a good one, I like it. Good job they didn't, like, win any tag team belts when he wrestled with Sting, isn't it? Well, yes. I don't think you could have stretched it out to a, a couple of months of storytelling. They need to do, um, Mattel need to do, oh, so Mattel probably wouldn't do it now because Sting's an AW, but they should have done when they had the rights to him a Sting Robocop two pack action figure set. That would have been good. I don't have a two pack getting involved, but why not? <laughs> <laughs> nice. There we go. There we go. So let's go. To AW Dynamite 7, as we said, this is the week after Full Gear, and the show actually does a good job of starting up with a recap of the pay-per-view. Always good. Mm. It's nice to kind of, let's pretend that you've got new people finding your wrestling program every week, especially when you're only a couple of months into TV. Actually tell people what's going on. So, week seven, where are we? When are we? Who's commentating? Why and how? <laughs> Why and how? Okay, we're um, in. Where are we? Nashville, Tennessee in the US of A in the Municipal Auditorium. Uh, sellout attendance of 4,000 exactly, apparently. find that hard to believe. Um, but we have got a commentary team of Excalibur, Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, who we've got used to seeing um, be our sort of core commentary team since the beginning of Dynamite. Brilliant. And I suppose the why would be 
because they do a weekly show and the how would be yeah. billionaire. Yes, that's two very good reasons. Solid, that. Pretty good. So the show opens up and we have a little backstage promo. Not really a promo, more of a kind of after the last show, before this show. Is Kenny Omega cleared to wrestle? He took a bit of a beating at the hands of Moxley at the pay-per-view. Big black eye, uh, injuries. Was he actually, like, injured in that match or is this just a little bit of kayfabe spin? Yeah, I don't remember hearing any sort of injury talk. I mean, at this stage, Kenny's pretty banged up anyway from his New Japan days. Um, But I don't think he was, like, on the shelf injury. I just think it was a good reason to keep him off the show. I like his line about how's Mox doing. But uh, he's all right. He's cleared. Um, so it, it put over Mox as being the more sort of hardcore wrestler of the two. I, I quite like that. It it gave Mox a little bit of an edge and it, it didn't really make Kenny look bad because he, like you say, had that big black eye. He looked in a lot, in a lot worse shape than, than Mox did. So, yeah, nice little nice little way to, to write one of your big stars off the show for a week. What I really liked about it is that it went straight into the first match of the evening, Mox versus Michael Nakazawa. Who yes. uh, for Michael Nakazawa? He didn't even get entrance music. He he came out during the promo recaps. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not really a match, is it? It is a squash. We get a little bit where he throws away the baby oil and decides to just wrestle the normal match. Yeah, he wants to get vengeance for Kenny, doesn't he? Because he's his mate. So yeah, no no shenanigans that we'd normally see from Michael Nakazawa. It's just a fight, but a very short one. One minute nine. One minute nine. Brilliant. Uh, as you would imagine, Moxley wins with the paradigm shift. Um, mm-hmm. It would have been really weird if after a minute and nine seconds, Nakazawa won that one. <laughs> yeah. That would have taken some explaining. But that whole thing is just an exclamation point to the Kenny match and the Kenny promo, yeah. showing that Mox can still come out after a big match like that, where he's taken a beating, delivered a beating, and he can come out four days later and win a match in a minute nine. And I like he made that comment that this one counts, didn't he? I like that bit where he goes, this this one counts, right? Because obviously the, the hardcore match didn't. Yeah, it's, it's, it did really help sell it all. Um, a real surprising amount of storytelling for a match that's only a minute and nine and we're yeah, only like yeah. five minutes into the show. So I really like this. Like, it's easy to piss on a squash, but if you can do a squash match which gets you guys out there, gives them... A quick, easy pop on TV, like you're seeing Mox, who's arguably the number two guy in the company at this point. Yeah. And then carry on with the rest of the show. You've kind of opened up making the crowd happy. So I really, really like this as a start. Yeah, served its purpose. The promo was longer than the match, probably about twice as long, because <laughs> uh, Mox, yeah. Mox did rant a bit at the end. But he, it's important to note that Moxley issued an open challenge to mm. anyone in AEW Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. That's it. Has that ever been actually said in wrestling? Um, no. This bulldog must have said it. Yeah, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in, doesn't he? We so say you oh, think that'll be along the same sort of lines, but I don't think yeah he's ever said come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. I mean, yeah, it's very British. Very. You're going to get your head kicked in more of like a football chant and less of a playground mm. chant of what I'm going for. True. <laughs> but it's oh, all it's good, good, didn't it? It yeah. did a little bit, yeah. At least he didn't. At least he didn't do the John Barnes rap. Always a worry. <laughs> Again, yeah, yeah. So the second match of the evening, it is the Dark Order. Um, it's the classic configuration of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson um, against Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. So it is Jurassic Express, but no Devil Dinosaur. 
No Luchasaurus. Mm-hmm. Before we get into this match, I've got to ask, who is your favourite Grayson? Dick. Ah. Oh. Sorry. We've done this before. <laughs> uh, let's pretend we haven't. Dick Grayson, Devin Grayson, who's written Nightwing, Mark Grayson, the star of Invincible, or Stu Grayson in this match. It's got to be Dick Grayson there, hasn't it? Just because he's, he's your main Grayson, really. He's the one that all the others want to be, I think. I uh, actually just got a new tablet this week, and I've ploughed through all of Tom Taylor's Nightwing in like record nice. time. It's very, very, very good. Um, so, yeah, bit of a comic book divergent, but that happens quite a lot on this pay-per-view. If you mm. like Nightwing, or just Grayson's in general, you could do a lot worse yeah. than Tom Taylor's Nightwing, that's for sure. Yes. So I have a question before we get into the match itself. Oh. Who is bigger, Marco Stunt or Negative One? Probably negative one, especially now. He's he's probably grown a bit, hasn't he? Um, he? He's at that age where he grows still. So yeah, he's probably eclipsed Marco's stunt now. And he's probably going to get tall as well because his dad was, was a tall guy. So yeah, probably going to easily outgrow Marco. No, I think you're probably right. It's so weird to think that in the Ruthless Aggression era, we somehow all had it in our head that Rey Mysterio was, was small. And it's like, yeah. nah, <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So talk us through this match. Obviously, your fans are pretty much everyone in this match. Yeah, um, it it was it was good. It was it was nice to see um, the Dark Order sort of pick themselves up a bit. They've had a couple of losses uh, in sort of recent shows that we've seen, and they're still being pushed as being this sort of big spooky evil threat. But then when they're losing all the time, it's like well that takes the shine off a bit. Um, so I think that this configuration of Jurassic Express was a good. Good combination for them to go against because obviously Marco, they can lob him around as much as they want and he's willing to take pretty much anything it seems. And Jungle Boy always looks good in these matches where he's tagging with Marco because it's rare he's the bigger guy of the team. Um, and obviously he is in, in this one. And he, he looks, he's such a good little baby face, is uh, Jungle Boy Jack, um, as JR likes to call him at this point. But yeah, it was, it was a good good showcase for the Dark Order. I'm, I'm pleased they picked up the win. As much as I like Jurassic Express, yeah, Dark Order needed the win, and uh, they got it. So yeah, it, that was good. Yeah, no, it's a really it was really good. What is essentially the first full match of the show? Um, you get a really good hot tag streak from Jungle Boy, which comes straight after a very long stint of Marco getting beat up through what felt like a couple of advert breaks. <laughs> yeah. One one little bit to point out, there's a bit where Marco botches a top rope spot. Not a criticism. He's doing a big flippy thing. It can happen. Yes. And it, it's Hugh Grayson. He's just kind of stands there waiting. And then they yeah. do the move again and he takes it. And my first thought was like, that's not great. So I rewatched it. I rewound it and had a quick look. And the cameras don't really pick up on it, but in between Marco like hitting the apron, getting back up and doing it again, Jungle Boy does a little like heel kick backwards just nice. to stun Stu Grayson and keep him in place. Really small detail, but mm. the kind of thing I really, really appreciate because he isn't just stood there. Like if you're yeah. a wrestler and you're and you're in that spot, you feel like an idiot, but you also yes. don't want to change it up and ruin yeah, yeah, a spot yeah. that you had planned and possibly injure someone who's coming at you off the top rope and wondering why you're not there. So, yeah, nice nice little detail there because obviously Jungle Boy hasn't been wrestling years and years at well, this point. Well, yeah, 
you don't see that sort of thing from a lot of veterans. They'll That's they'll true. often freeze or just go back and and do what they had to do. They they don't think, oh, something's gone a bit wrong. I need to just add a little little fill in there to just make it work. So yeah, very very good little little idea from Jungle Boy there. Well yeah. done. Connecting the dots, that's what I always call it. It is yes, just a little ellipsis, it. it's just a dot, 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 but it does tie the whole thing together. As you say, Dark hmm. Order win this one with the fatality, so not only are they getting over, they're getting their finishing move over. Yeah. At the end of it, they're so impressed with Jungle Boy and Marco's stunt, they invite them to join the Dark Order, but they refuse. <gasps> yeah. Leading to a beatdown from um, from the Maspedos. <laughs> Is that what we're calling them now, the Mars Pedos? Well, Creepers is pretty much the same yeah. thing, isn't it? That's it is true. It's just a synonym. I like that they were trying to get that mask onto Jungle Boy, and he was like, no, no, get off. Because I, I like to think if that mask goes fully on, then you're, you're like, actually, no, Dark Order's all right. I'm, I'm joining. But until that mask is fully on, you can you can fight it off. See, this is why you should be writing a weekly serial <laughs> episodic wrestling program because I totally agree <laughs> <laughs> no one needs to see Marty Jannetty as a champion in 2022 and that's what would happen until someone puts the mask on him <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> that's good then because he, if he had a mask and he'd been taken over by supernatural powers he'd have an excuse for having sex with someone he fought with his daughter mm. that happens yes. yeah and it can happen clearly yeah. Look, say what you will about Marty Jannetty in 2020 <laughs> but he waited for a paternity test he did he did it the right way and i don't think 1980s 1980s marty Gunetti wouldn't have waited no he's grown as a person and it's nice to see it is it's very good so the beat down goes on for quite a while but finally luchasaurus comes out he's obviously he's, he's walked up to them backstage and giving them a cd and he's going track 16 come on <laughs> But yeah. finally, Luchasaurus comes out. Uh, big pop, actually. One of the bigger pops of the night. He does everything you expect him to do. He's just waffle pissing all over Creepers, who, as we know, are developmental talent. So they all get to bump or get thrown over the rope or something that you'd expect Luchasaurus to do. Uh, there's a good bit where, straight after Luchasaurus does his standing moonsault, he almost goes for a cover. He does, yeah. I love it just when muscle memory. That. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It happens a lot. It always makes me laugh. Yes. Uh, maybe that's just what you do in the dinosaur jungle. So. Ah, probably. Yeah. You know, no, it's, know, it's normal. We? Let's let's consider that one the real the real opening match. Um, two solid segments so far. Jr. would say nice segment. <laughs> that's right. Thanks, Jr. He often rates Terry's chocolate oranges. <laughs> On to the third match of the evening, and I thought I had to check at this point that I hadn't accidentally pivoted to watching Dark. It's, mm, it's Sean a very dark Spears, match. isn't it? Just it's Sean Spears with Tully versus Peter Avalon. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, I wrote, "Well, this will be five minutes." Um, <laughs> but then Darby Allen's music hits. Oh, it's a triple threat match. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to look back at this match, isn't it, and go. Oh, there's only one real big star in this. But at the time, Sean Spears was getting a, a decent little push. He's on most shows and he's had some pay-per-view matches. So you have to kind of look back on it with, with early dynamite eyes. And yeah, Peter Avalon really is the only odd man out in this match because yeah, Darby and Spears have been protected, pushed, look, look, both look good on the shows. And then you've got Peter Avalon, the librarian. Um, but yeah, he's not in it all that much, is he? Um, 
It's it's again a very very quick match. You said uh, it's going to be five minutes. You're you're wrong. It was three minutes forty four. <laughs> so you look silly now, don't you? And that's with three people in it. So each of them's getting <laughs> yeah. an average of one minute offensive time. <laughs> <laughs> Would this have been better if it had just been Sean Spears versus Darby, or do you think having Peter Avalon in it helps? shorten it down to just because uh, obviously a triple threat match is no DQ for some reason in AEW so that means you can speed things up a bit yeah I mean I think had they not done this little angle with continuing the Joey Janela Sean Spears story then yeah it would have been better to be Darby versus Spears but you know Joey coming out gives a reason for to get rid of Spears and then it just comes down to Darby and Peter Avalon who wins out of those two? Who, who you know? Who saw that coming? That Darby got the win over Pretty Peter Avalon, but he did. Yeah, it's barely a match, really. You get a bit of one-on-one with Darby and Sean early on, which isn't terrible. Uh, but once Joey Janela does his running, that's Sean out of the match. Essentially, they fight off. I wonder if that will come up on Dynamite or Dark next week. Hmm. Wait and see. They've been over a bit of both shows, haven't they, those two? So hard to know at this point, um, but we will see in coming weeks. I think Joey Janela should have rebranded himself as the dark Joey Janela and just run that show mid-card for life. A bit like Stevie and Sunday Night Heat. Brilliant. <laughs> or that guy who used to come out of Lita and Sunday Night Heat. S.A. Rios. That's him. There he is. As you said, Avalon does get beaten in this match by Darby Allen's cock and drop. A very over move at this point. Very protected mm. move at this point. No one's hitting him with guitars yet or anything. No. Uh, and at the end of the match, so this is it's all stuff. It's good te- it's good TV. We're not expecting pay-per-view quality matches, but they have got into the swing of the difference between a pay-per-view match and a TV match. Darby yes. accepts Moxley's open challenge. So already you know, we're only, what, 30 minutes into the show at this point, 40 minutes in. We know that next week we are going to have Darby Allen versus Mox. Big pop from the crowd for that as well, which is good, because often when a wrestler goes, I'm going to wrestle such and such next week, like the live crowd like, ah, oh, you arsehole, I wanted to see that now. Why do I have to wait a week when I'm not going to be there? Um, but yeah, it's still got a, a good pop, so it proved that people want to see that match, whether they're... They're live or watching it home on TV. So, yeah, big match for AW early doors, that one. Good point. Well made. Then we get a little promo package for Dark. Uh, they're, they're really pushing Dark in this show. That They're going, look, these are the where the big matches are happening. Hmm. Excalibur claims they're basically main event level matches, such hmm, as basically. Lever Bates versus Big Swole. That's basically a main event. <laughs> basically, yeah, it yeah. could be, you know, somewhere. Peter Avalon struggling to close an umbrella, pretty much main event. <laughs> yeah. I think DDT actually did that one. So, we are on to the first women's match of the evening. It is Nyla Rose versus Danny Jordan. Who? <laughs> Danny Jordan, yeah. Um, Not a wrestler I know a great amount about really she's um especially at this point she's really early on in in her career she's only wrestled for a couple of years at this point um but yeah she's she's not a name that comes up a lot uh she has a few matches here and there early doors of aw um but they're very much enhancement matches like this one really she's she's not sort of found her footing in the wrestling business even now um but yeah very early doors she's two three years into her career at this point so yeah big 
sort of a showcase for her really to get on a, a big new TV show and obviously she's uh doesn't get a lot of offense in but yeah it's a name that no one really knew at this point probably not a lot of people know right now but yeah still very early doors of her career so she's got a, a long career ahead of her fingers crossed so some moves happened in this match and then nyla wins with a power bomb that's the whole match yes yeah it's it's another another very quick one one minute 34 um so yeah, we're not we're not in for lengthy matches this evening. No, if this carries on, this is going to be our first ha- sub half an hour podcast, <laughs> yeah. which which I'm pretty sure our editor will really appreciate. Yeah, no doubt. The unsung third man of this little show. <laughs> so that there you go. That was the fourth match of the evening. We're two thirds of the way through the show. Then we get an update on Dustin's condition. Oh yes, because he got his arm crushed in the car. Now. Did I miss the update on Dustin's condition? Because they just said, oh, now we're going to get an update on Dustin's condition. And they just showed his arm getting pushed <laughs> yeah. in the car door again. I could assume that just means he's not better. <laughs> he's as he was when it happened. Or they just did it again. That wasn't a replay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> was just, he was feeling a bit better, so they took him back out to the car park, slammed hmm. the door on his arm. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah, it's it's a good way of updating someone's condition, just replaying footage of the incident. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's check in with Rodney King at LA Hospital. Oh, <laughs> no, he's just his beating. It's right, yeah, he didn't die. Nice. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So then we get uh, a nice little Tony Schiavone interview, as he does. He's run down to the bottom of the ramp, and he's got his microphone, and he's interviewing Ali, who, of course, we know better these days as... Funny. Yeah, this is a uh, very um, blue blood baby face Ali. Uh, not much of a character or gimmick to it. She's the happy to be there, Bailey style friendly face, isn't she? At this point. And what's nice about the ranking system is just turning up as often as she has and being a nice friendly mm. baby face. She somehow ranked fourth. Yeah, nice one, Ali. Done well there. Tell you what, dark does pay off. That's it. The lights go out. And we see a mysterious figure prowling at the top of the entranceway. It's Awesome Kong. Mm. With Brandy. Yeah, hiding behind. Yeah, and uh, they march out of the ring, beat the pith out of Ali, and they cut some of the hair off. And in what could only be called the um, worst cross-promotional attempt I've ever heard, Excalibur, <laughs> Excalibur points out, they're stealing her hair, like the buy-in. And at that point, all I could think was, <laughs> well, that's why I don't watch the buy-ins. Yeah, yeah. It's Again, so now we're getting into the deep water with this um, Brandy Rhodes Nightmare Family, I think. Hey, was it Nightmare Collective? I think it's called the Nightmare Collective. It gets a name at some point and a few more members. But yeah, we're, we're the, the wheels are turning now. Um, we're actually getting some on-screen stuff rather than backstage video promos. So yeah, there's some some crazy stuff to come. But yeah, we're we're getting somewhere with it, I guess you could say. Well, the only question I have after that vicious display is, who is your favourite Ali? Is it Mustafa Ali, Aliyah, Tiger Ali Singh, Hossein Kosro Ali Vaziri, the Iron Sheik, Ali, who we just saw. Prime Ali from the Batman comics, or Ali Bombay from Mask. <laughs> I like the name Ali Bombay. That's good. But it's actually Ali Viper from 
G.I. Joe fame because he was one of the last figures I bought as a kid. And he was neon orange and blue. Nice. Um, so it's when G.I. Joe was going into their neon phase. Those 90s Joes are great. I really like them. Yeah. Because like they it. went I into like space it. as well, didn't they? Not like with NASA yeah, like they did early on, but just to yeah. hang out. That's it, yeah. Just pop yeah, over there. It's cool. It's cool. It is still weird that the first ever Street Fighter figures we got were in the G.I. Joe line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always found that odd. Um, of course, that is related to wrestling because the Young Bucks dressed up as yeah. Ken and Ryu. So don't come at us and say, why are you talking about toys again? That's it. Yeah, we're allowed, all right? Um, on the subject of Ali Bombay from Mask, check out the Mask names at some point, because while that one is particularly bad, it might not be the worst. Wow. They have a Native American called Nevada Rushmore. Nice, I like that. Native Americans love Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Oh, they're all about it. Yeah, they're keen on it. So we now go into what was my favourite segment of the night. Right. The Jericho promo. A bit of star power on the show. Yes. We've only really had one legitimate match. They haven't all been big names. Mm-hmm. Chris Jericho. He does exactly what you expect. It is just that I'm still the champ. I'm still better than yep. everyone. You can boo me all you like, but I'm the reason you're here, etc., etc. Cody's music hits... We think we're going to get Cody coming out, but no, no, who is it? It's the devil himself. It's bloody MJF. It is. Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Good call from Shivani when he's coming out as well, where he goes, I'll take the J out his name. I like that. That was good. Oh, nice. Good Shivani. Well, that's earned his paycheck for another year. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) He's got got until end of 2020 to impress me again. (laughs) (laughs) he'll do it I know he will as good as Jericho's promo was it was a bit by the numbers this promo here from MJF this is a really good elevation of the kind of promo format we've had in AEW so far this Mm, does feel like the next evolution of it similar in many ways to how Jericho debuted in WWE and just suddenly his his promo was that next level above even The Rock yeah yeah Um, so incredible stuff here It's, it's the good kind of villain that you want in wrestling. MJF did the right thing, throwing in the towel. If he hadn't, at Full Gear 2019, if he hadn't thrown in the towel when he did, Cody was in trouble. He would have been injured. Cody is the real villain because he takes people under his wing, but really he's putting them under his thumb. Every good villain thinks they're in the right. Nice one here, MJF. This is so much better than like as much as I like his current stuff. Just telling everyone you're the devil. Yeah. Easier and it is cheaper than finding a reason why you're right, the good guy's wrong, and the crowd need to know. Yeah, this was good for MJF as well because weeks leading up to this, sort of since the start of AW really, he's he has been like a heel character in his matches, but then he's still been aligned with Cody, so there's been that he's an arsehole, but he's still pals with his with one of the biggest faces on your roster and so there's that bit of that blurred line between so I don't really get what he is but now he's just full on evil bad guy MGF and this establishes him perfectly as that yeah it does a good job because he's telling the truth the crowd just don't want to hear it and he delights in pointing out there's a great back and forth between MJF and Y2J where <laughs> does MJF want to join the inner circle mm-hmm. MJF won't ask to be in the inner circle <laughs> yeah. and Jericho won't make the offer because MJ- <laughs> he knows MJF will say no to humiliate him yeah. So it's just a constant long running back and forth. It kind of goes right up to the edge of parody 
but they just about pull it off. It's really good. Probably the highlight. It's one of those great things, isn't it, where you can do something that's funny and then it goes a bit too long. You're like, no, this isn't funny anymore. And then it goes a bit longer. You're like, no, this is funny. <laughs> it, it's got that perfect length to it. Yeah, they did They did a good job. Probably peaked with me at the point when Jericho made the claim that MJF was conceived <laughs> when <laughs> his parents was watching Jericho wrestle Hooventude. <laughs> Yeah, who's Hoovy? Who's Hoovy? It's great. It's really good fun. Yeah, good. But then it gets serious right as it's gone to the peak of parody. Cody comes out, no music, mm-hmm. all business. He looks pissed. He's still got the the bruises and the damages from his match at Full Gear. It was only four days ago, yeah. so that's that's fair. Yeah. Big feet down. Cody's taken both on. Cody's not backing down. Then all of a sudden, Wardlow shows up. Yeah, first on-screen appearance of Wardlow. Um, we've seen him in video packages, but yeah, his first in-arena appearance. Yeah, good beat down there. Takes the tie off Cody and choke. Actually takes mm. his own tie off and chokes Cody yeah. out of it. Whoops him over the top rope and guillotine hangs him with his tie. Uh, you got to trust the person doing that, haven't you, when you're throwing someone over oh, and grabbing yeah. them by the neck. Both people need full Definitely. trust. Uh, mm. Jericho obviously clears out at that point because he hasn't got a suit on and he doesn't want to be overshadowed by a collection of very good suits in the ring. Yes, that's right. Yeah, very smart looking wrestlers. But yeah, first appearance for Wardlow, who is very much an unknown at this point. It's it spent a few years on the independent circuit, but sort of nowhere big or anything. Um, I think he had a tryout for WWE for NXT and they didn't take him on, which I'm sure they're kicking themselves with now. But yeah, so it was it was cool to see Wardlow finally sort of appear. Um, and like I say, no one really knew him um, at this point, especially like even the the smarter fans were a little, I'm not sure who this guy is. And I think it was very easy to see him and go, oh, he's one of those big guys that WWE push and aren't very good. Um, but thankfully, he proves us all wrong eventually. Yeah, I mean, they could have probably done a better job communicating to uh, to the viewers who he was. But I think Wardlow mm. did a pretty good job of establishing that in his yeah. actions on Cody. So if a picture tells a thousand words, a beatdown is pretty good for 5,000 or so. Mm, definitely. Nice. I'm going to copyright that. That's a good saying. <laughs> Fifth match of the night. It is a follow-on match from Full Gear. In in many ways, it's a follow-on from the very first announcement of AEW. It's yeah. Pat versus Adam Page. Again, the third one, four days after the last one. Mm. The fourth one, if you count the match in Nottingham, which they sometimes count, sometimes don't. That's it. It's like this match was so anticipated and it got put off for sort of various reasons. And like people were chomping at the bit to see it. And now we've seen it loads in such a short space of time. Yeah, it is a bit odd, isn't it, really? I mean, they do a good job on the commentary team of explaining that they've both got one each, one win each over each other in AEW. So this is, they kind of, when they say that, they're kind of saying to the crowd, this is a blow-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't feel like the blow-off. It does feel that there's going to be more to come. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing with these sort of TV matches. They're not they're not going as all out as they do at pay-per-views. But if this is your blow-off, if this is your last match between these two, you want it to be bigger and better than the rest. And it it wasn't really. No, if I'm being generous, one thing I liked about it is uh, it, the story in the ring was kind of, but two guys who were just trying to put this to bed and looking for a quick win. Yeah. And that did yeah. kind of cover the fact that it is a TV match. It is going to be a bit shorter. They told the story to explain why, which I really appreciated. Very quick start from Pack, as you'd expect. But Adam Page is no slouch. No. Is that a word? Yes, yeah, that's, that's a word. <laughs> 
It doesn't seem like a word. I'm going to say it again. Slouch. <laughs> no, no. Do you ever have words just blink out your head and they don't seem real anymore? Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> Overall, how were you with this match? Yeah, like I said, by no means was it a bad match. These two, especially against each other, can't really have a bad match. But I, yeah, I didn't enjoy it as much as some of their earlier ones, whether that's just because I've seen it a lot in a short space of time. Uh, but it was it was a really it was a really good match. I mean, it got four and a quarter stars from from Meltzer. So um, I know he does like giving his sort of four star ratings out a bit more generously than he used to back in the eighties and nineties. But no, it's still a good rating. It was it was it was good. I like the finish. Um, I think the right man won. Uh, I like the finish as well. Pat looked sort of killer at the end. Uh, but yeah, it was good. It's it's a nice match for people to get, and I guess not everyone does buy the pay per views. Maybe they can't afford to, or other things come in. So to get a pay per view quality match on that you might have missed if you didn't catch the pay per view is is good for the viewers at home. It sort of shows the the viewers. No, we do still have pay per view sort of star matches on our weekly shows. So tune in, don't miss out on the free stuff you can watch. Well, I mean, they have they have Lever Bates versus Big Swole well, exactly. on Dark. Yeah. So Can't that is your pay-per-view level main event match. No, it's a good hmm. point you make. It is weird now, though, um, to think like 25 years ago, if you missed a pay-per-view, you'd get very select highlights on TV. A lot of the time you'd get the audio with just images. Yes. And there wasn't YouTube or VPNs and downloads and pirate bay not that i would condone mm. them but like no, no. now it's like oh i missed that thing oh uh, uh, no i've got it <laughs> sit it <laughs> yeah sit. what's yeah. next i mean for me the best sequence of this match came quite near the middle um where adam page is looking for the buckshot lariat hack has it scouted they have a good back and forth there's a lot of german suplexes german suplex reversals and it ends with Adam Page finally hitting the lariat he was looking for when he did the buckshot over the ropes. That was a lovely sequence. Gave us a little bit of a double down before they went to the finish. I do disagree with you on the ending a little bit. Um, Yeah, let's go. Let's have a fight. So (laughs) Page goes down and it looks like a kick's caught him wrong and he's just dropped and the referee wants to check on him. This is something they do with Adam Page quite a lot. They did this Mm. in his last few matches on TV in 2022. They did this in his, one of his title defences against Brian Danielson. Uh, but the referee's trying to check on him. And Pat, who is a killer, he won't back off. He keeps coming in and, and hitting him. And they do it a bit too much. And I actually think, if you're going to keep the, the feud going, and I think they are, I think this should have been a DQ finish. Yeah. Adam Page gets the win. So it's 2-1 to Page. But mm-hmm. neither man's happy with that ending. Yeah, yeah. Adam Page is like, no, I want to beat you on my terms. And Pac's like, yeah, next time, you know, I shouldn't have got disqualified next time. We can have a no-holds-barred match on a pay-per-view or something. Just yeah, true. elevate the storytelling. And not only that, here's an interesting fact. In the first two years of AEW, so all the, all the pay-per-views they did and then the first year of TV, they had one DQ. Right, okay. In the year 2021, WWE had 67 DQs. <laughs> AEW's <laughs> too. <laughs> I like it. Should AEW do more DQs? And like, I know they don't want to screw the fans out of stuff. That's the yeah. exception. And they have got less TV time than the Fed. But 
I think if any match was calling for a DQ, this was it because the referee just looked stupid not calling the match. Yeah, I mean the commentators even do mention, don't they? It's like they should, he should probably stop this. Yeah. Um, they they sort of bring attention attention to it as well. So yeah, you're probably right there. That that to me would have been the right ending. Um, mm. but as it is, Pat hits the back arrow and straight into the brutalizer. The referee has no choice but to ring the bell and award the match to Pack as Paige is utterly defenceless. Now, it's interesting, really, isn't it? Because since the rise of MMA and, um, in particular, the UFC, if a ref, if if your wrestler passes out and doesn't tap out, back in the day, that would be like, oh, it's a joke, that's an illegal move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's just, well, he's choked him out, tough shit, you've lost. Mm. Next yes, time, don't get choked yeah. out. It's a complete change of wrestling psychology. And it's yeah. never really been announced to the crowd. It's just happened so slowly and so organically that we just all now accept that. Yeah, yeah that's true. Weird. So, from the best promo of the night and one of the best matches of the night to a backstage scrap between the Young Bucks and Proud and Powerful. Yeah, if only it was just backstage and didn't go on for weeks. My God, this was this was long, wasn't it? It is really odd. I, I, to me, it's like they were shit. We've got ten minutes to fill. Just, just about for a bit. And it goes so long. It does. Arguably, it does end up harming the main event. But let's not get ahead of ourselves too much. What happens? So Ortiz gets put through a table. Yeah. Santana jumps off a forklift. Um, I should yeah. say onto people. He doesn't just jump <laughs> off a forklift. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they fight through the backstage area, um, eventually coming into a toilet yes. where Orange Cassidy is just hanging out. Yeah, and not? I thought that that's got to be the end of the spot. Like they fought off, and then they burst You'd into think. the toilet, and Orange Cassidy's just chilling against the wall, little half bums up. Everyone laughs, <laughs> and then you're out of the segment. But no, no, yeah, we're only halfway through. There's about another ten minutes of fighting. They go into catering. Where MJF and Wardle are like, oh, bloody hell, we got to move. Moxley <laughs> just stays there kind of laughing at it, which was good. Yeah. Oh, God, it just keeps going. And then they fight out to ringside, and then they fight on the stage, and they fight in the crowd. And, and they, they all take pretty big moves from each other. You're like, well, that'll be it then. They've, they've taken a big move there. That's the end of it. Oh, no, they're, they're back up again. Yeah, Matt Jackson takes a very high, um, very high toss over the crowd barrier at one point. And mm. it's just like, that's yes. more like you normally get just... Comes crashing down his arm. It's like, well, you like if, if you injure him, that's your next six months of programming out of whack, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. They fight and they fight and they fight and they fight and Ortiz and Santana, Santana, powerbomb, smack again, gets powerbombed through the stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, private party come out. They don't really help. No, no. They just kind of come out shouting. and then they push and shove and then there's a bit more fighting. Eventually. Eventually, it just ends. Brandon Cutler comes out as well. Don't forget his appearance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Peter Ablon. Yeah. So they do use that, at least, to set up a match for next week. Private Party versus Proud and Powerful Mm. in the Battle of the Peas. Yes. Yeah, a lot of peas going on there. I'll have a pea, please, Bob. Yeah. Who is your favourite pea? No, that's that's not really. That's not a thing. Oh, well done. You win. You win the bronze tag team medals. Yes. Yay. So let's go to the main event of the evening. It is SCU versus Sammy and Y2J with Jake Hagar, the horrible. 
Um, they're not really in the inner circle if you come out and have four entrances each. Yeah, they needed to come out together as the faction they are, really. A bit odd. We've gone from a backstage segment that's just kind of killing time. I think someone's mm. boot lace broke. Like, Jericho is doing up his boots and like right. lace broke. And he's like, ah, oh, I need five. I need five. Who's got a shoelace? Like, <laughs> some, something happened. And then they do two full entrances and quite yeah. a long-winded SCU. I know it's through the adverts, but they dip about the crowd and Chris Daniels gets mm-hmm. the crowd going, which is good. And Scorpio's very good in the mic and all that. But by the time all that happens, we've got less than 13 minutes left for the main event and wrap-up. Yeah, it's mad. This last sort of half hour of the show, it's like it was just padded so much. Like You could have used it for other stuff. I just another backstage segment with someone else or a little video package on someone anything but yeah just having the the beat the beat down so long and the, the entrance for this so long it's just like oh I've just taken all the steam out of the show yeah I mean you get to the end of the um pack Adam Page and you look and you're like oh well there's there's only there's 40 minutes left and only one match and then by the time they actually get to the said match it's there's 13 minutes left it's nuts it yeah. is nuts yeah yeah uh, it's not a bad match by any means um, it's no. SCU it's Frankie and Scorpio the guys who actually won the belt mm-hmm. what a staple SCU have been for this whole TV time winning the belts yeah. and all the shows but this is a weird thing I hadn't heard of SCU before we started doing this rewatch right okay I knew Frankie Kazarian Chris Daniels and I knew Scorpio Sky through more recent AEW but for them being a team called SCU no idea. I somehow completely missed that at the time. <laughs> right, yeah. It's funny because at this point, they, they've gone from a heel team that they, that they were in like Ring of Honor in the Indies where they would go around and slag off the towns they're in to the point where they've got so popular as a team that, that they've got the Kurt Angle thing with, with the You Suck chant where it's a term of endearment for them to slag off the, the, the attendees' town. So yeah, it's a bit, bit funny to see that at this point, especially if you weren't aware of them. Now they're sort of coming out and going, this is the worst town I've ever been in. And the crowd going, yes, it is. Our hometown is rubbish. One thing I really like about that is a lot of the time you get a heel tag team and they come out and they bust people's chops and they act like assholes and dickheads mm. and they get over and then they stop doing the stuff that got them over because yeah, yeah. oh well they're good guys now and it's like well no that's mm-hmm. that's why the crowd like them. that's why don't, yeah don't stop yeah <laughs> it's very odd they're, they're very clever odd. with the SEU. they they do that this is the worst time we've ever been in but you fans are great it's like it's a nice way to sort of turn it around i like that it's good um, so the match gets going and really slow pace i felt yeah it, it kind of yeah it, it did felt feel like they'd maybe planned a longer match um but they hadn't changed the really the layout of it when they realized they didn't have as long because you know you could start it really slow but then if you've got another 10 minutes on top where it does pick up and you you do more then it it works but because they only had sort of 11 minutes left Mm. that the slow start probably didn't need to be as slow as it was and as long as it was. No, you'd think there'd be some mad shit from Sammy and Scorpio Sky here, but they didn't get much ring time. It was a lot more focused on Frankie Kazarian and Jericho. Um, Interesting fact from Excalibur, in the the 21 years their careers have overlapped, this is the first time they've met each other in the ring. Yeah, I mean, they've never really been in the same same company um kazarian was in wwe for a real brief period but he never appeared on any of the big shows he had a few matches on velocity 
and then asked for his release because the, the rumor is they asked him to cut his hair. This is when he had long hair. And he didn't <laughs> want to do it, so he decided to quit. That's that's the story. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But yeah, but um, Kazarian spent most of his sort of career, his big career in TNA, Impact, and Ring of Honor, whereas Jericho was full on WWE for that entire time. So yeah, they, they were never really gonna overlap. Hey Frankie, if you cut your hair, we'll give you a push. I will never cut my hair. <laughs> yeah, bold. Three years later, bold by choice version two. <laughs> uh, one one spot in this match that I thought was really huge was when Scorpio kicks out of the Codebreaker. Yeah. He's like, okay, it's not Jericho's primary finisher. It's probably not even his top four, but it is still one of his big signature moves. Yeah, you'd expect like a, a pin breakup or something to, to get him out of that. But no, just a, a clean kick out. Kicks out clean. And I think, I think, oh, wow, they're really putting Scorpio over in this match. And then mm. within like 30 seconds from that, Scorpio pins Jericho with a roll-up for the win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First Jericho loss in um, AEW. It's not in a big like title match or a big one-on-one. It's in a, a tag match. So, yeah, Scorpio, just they've really been behind him in these early AEW shows. And this is like his, his biggest win at this point, really. It's so odd because like, Scorpio could have got the win on the team and they could have made a big deal about, oh, Chris Jericho's first ever loss in AEW. And, and they could have done all that. By pinning Sammy. Yeah, it's true, yeah. <laughs> you you don't need to pin Jericho. You definitely don't need to pin Jericho clean from a roll-up. Yeah, but they did. It's very true, yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know if that was just go home. You know, if referees just called an audible, just go home, guys. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it does lead to something. Um, but I, I like Jericho sort of kicking off at the end and throwing chairs around and smashing stuff up. I like that it, it bothered him. Because more... Like WWE, especially when Vince was in charge, he was very much of the opinion, if you lose a match, you've lost a match. Don't show that it's upset you. Don't show any emotion to that. Just leave and let the, the good guys set or the, the winners celebrate their win. Whereas I like it. A loss should affect someone. You should go, oh, well, never mind. Eh? So I like the fact that Chris Jericho did have his tantrum and it was his first loss, so it meant more to him. that That's why he did sort of smash stuff up and do the Bret Hart at Survivor Series thing. So yeah, I, I thought that was that was a nice little touch at the end. Roland Barts wrote an essay on the psychology of wrestling that focused around the uniqueness of wrestling as a sport is the focus on the defeated, not the victor. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So for for like for the man who booked WrestleMania six to forget that in his later years, <laughs> it is a bit yeah. odd. Yes, yeah. And yeah, it is nice that Jericho kicked off and showed that the, the loss aggravated him, but it, they only had about 12 seconds to do it in, and yeah, then they were off there. Time, yeah. it, is, it. it is yeah. so odd, because they, they, they even make a point of going, like, this is a 60-minute time limit. If we do run over, we'll put the finish up on YouTube. Yeah. Which, of course, that's not an option in the 80s and 90s. I mean, there was that famous WCW pay-per-view, which just went off air, because they were yes. overrun by 20 minutes. Yeah, and you didn't have the option of YouTube, and people mm. paid money for that. I mean, they did at least put it on the Nitro the week later, but Ooh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's another win, and it's a big win in the column for Scorpio Sky for Cold Scorpion. I'm going to call him now because he's twice as good as Slack Funk. Nice. There we I go. Like it. So, what is your overall thoughts and feelings of Dynamite Week Seven? Um, yeah, it wasn't the best show um there was good stuff on it but it, yeah it, that sort of last half an hour really hurt it because it was just so padded where they could have done stuff and there were just matches that you know weren't really important yeah great to see nyla rose get a, 
a big win, but it was a, it was a bit of a nothing match. The three way was a bit of a nothing match. Um, so yeah, not not the greatest um, sort of post pay per view show. You might get a few new eyes on your show after a pay per view because everyone's raving about how good that pay per view was. So, oh, all right, I'll tune into Dynamite. I don't think it's the best one to get new viewers hooked on it, but it was all right. It, I've seen worse two hours of wrestling definitely over my years but yeah not the best dynamite so far i mean i enjoyed talking about it more than i actually did watching it so that's yeah. something yeah but yeah. it's like yeah. it's three squashes two tags a bad triple threat one good match one good promo and a really long backstage fight and that's that's the show that's dynamite episode seven favorite match of the evening um yeah even though i sounded a bit down on it it was it was pack versus page i think that was definitely the best wrestled match of the show it has to be, doesn't it, really? I mean, it was yeah, a bit short. Uh, I, the ending was a bit screwy, but just, like, that was a match in a show which had TV matches. That was a wrestling match. Everything good that happened in the show happened at the top of the first hour where you had yeah. the promo and then straight into Pack Page. MVP of the night? Probably MJF, because he established himself as that MJF character we know now. He's he's not doing the face a bit, heel a bit thing. He's he's full on bad guy MJF, and it was a, it was a cool segment. So yeah, I'm gonna go with MJF. It is weird. I want to kind of go with Scorpio Sky because he pinned Jericho clean, and that is huge. But at the same time, MJF he really sold who he is and what that yeah. match is in a way that Full Gear 2022 happened. We reviewed that last week, and MJF won the belt the world championship and then the first dynamite after he's not on the show yes yeah and that was just such a missed opportunity and i felt dynamite really suffered for that that i didn't yeah. i didn't get much out of the will regal promo with um danielson and mox yeah again i think that went a bit long um they they could have just had danielson come out get between him say like not now let's talk about this backstage or something but yeah they dragged that bit out a bit yeah or even just have Danielson and uh, Mox fight off. We don't get any yeah. answers from Will Regal, but of course, you know that we know the Blackpool Combat Club does fight among themselves from time to time. Yes. So it's not yeah, going to be the yeah, end yeah. of the world if they do. Right. Okay. So let's 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 agree to disagree. Split the difference. MJF and Scorpio, MVPs of the evening. That was Dynamite Week 7. Let's have a quick look at Dark Week 7. Yes, so we're taped at the same time, so we're in the same arena. Um, three matches, as is the norm, with Dark. So uh, opens up with a tag team match. Best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent with Orange Cassidy defeat Private Party. That's 14 minutes 54, so a nice long tag match if you're into those sort of things. Uh, then we get a women's match. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD and Rio defeat Big Swall and uh, Chris Statlander. First appearance for Chris Statlander. Um, so, yeah, she's a, she's one of my favourite women's wrestlers. Have you seen much of Statlander? She's been on, injured quite a bit when while you've been watching it. She was still doing the I'm an alien thing, and then she right. just seemed to start to break that, came back from an injury, looked in good, um, good health, and then she seemed to get injured again, I think. Or maybe she came back too soon, or I don't know. Yeah, she's not been around for a while now. Um, but yeah, another wrestler that's come out of um, Create Pro uh, Wrestling, trained by Pat Buck and Kurt Hawkins. So yeah, MJF uh, is obviously the big name to come out of that school. But Chris Statlander was the first female wrestler to graduate from Create Pro. But yeah, looking forward to seeing her back, so I do like a bit of stat. 
Um, and your main event is another tag team match. So all tag matches on this dark. Uh, the Young Bucks defeat the Strong Hearts, L. Liederman and T-Hawk, uh, who we've seen um, teaming up uh, on shows here and there before. So yeah, pretty decent dark if you're into tag matches. If you don't like tag matches, don't watch it. Yeah, Bucks versus Strong Hearts. I can't help think that probably wouldn't have been better than the triple threat match, but I guess the triple threat match did set up Derby at least for Mox next week. And the, the Buck Stronghouse match was, was only about a seven minute match anyway, so that wasn't exactly a stormer. Yeah, short one. Very odd. Right, well that was Dynamite Week Seven. You got anything else to add? No. Yeah, like I say, not the, the greatest show. Um but all right. Um we've got some good things coming in the very near future, so it's all building to something and we'll get there and we'll talk about it. We'll do that without Robocop, hopefully. Oh. So I'll, I'll tell it... you not to come over next week then. <laughs> uh, well, it wouldn't be as simply safe anyway because you can't bend at the knees as we established. True. That's true. If you want to follow us on social media, where can they find you, Pete? So I'm on Twitter at Pitois. I'm also now on Hive because that seems popular, doesn't it? Um, again, at Pitois. Um, Instagram again. I'm at Pitwart eighty and Pitwart uh, comics and art type stuff on those, and you can find a page for the podcast on Facebook Double View Wrestling Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Diabrave Sid. I am also on Hive and Mastodon and seventeen others, all under variations of Diabrave and Diabrave Sid. It looked like Hive was going to take off, but then it didn't. Yeah. I've stopped having much interaction at all, and my Twitter engagement should pick back up again, although it is very advert-heavy at the minute. Mm. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at AEW, so please give us a follow, a like, a subscribe, and upvote. The best thing you can do to help us grow is please give us a share on social media, tell other wrestling fans you know about our show, help us find a larger audience. That would be grand. We will be back in a week's time with Dynamite Week 8. Bye, then. (laughs) Bye.